Be sure to log into your YouTube account, subscribe to our channel, and turn on notifications so you don't miss a video. Best of all, it's free to do so. Welcome to Porsche Club Insider. We're here at the podcast studio at 5 North Main, enjoying this wonderful caramel latte from Coffee Bar Bel Air upstairs. Thank you to those folks. And today we have all the kids home, the Insider crew here. We have myself, Vu Gwen, PCA's Executive Director, Manny Albin, PCA's Technical Director, Damon Lowney, PCA's Digital Media Coordinator, and Mr. Sass is in the house in person, but barely. Barely without the dog this time. <laughs> did, did you detour? Because uh, there was traffic on the way here, uh, Rob told me. No surprise on 95. Damon and I notice regularly since we commute 95, but... Um, did you actually go into Baltimore City I, no, in I a didn't. 911? I didn't. What it was, it was actually a pretty clever detour. It had you get off at that exit, and then but it was essentially on? turned into a service road for about a yeah. mile, and then you got back onto I-95. Okay. So I knew it. it. That's what did, I was talking about. Yeah, it bypassed the accident without actually really... Yeah, people are polite clever. enough to have an accident in that little area where you can right. use that. That's nice. Right. That Not was all good foresight for the idiot to roll <laughs> his freaking Corolla. It was literally a rollover. Because we oh, had yeah. visions yeah. of you of uh, Caton Avenue in Baltimore City goes into Baltimore City. Yeah. Well, those I asked of you, you fans Andy. of The Wire can imagine. <laughs> right. So we had visions of Rob in his uh, 996 with the water pump letting go. So let's rewind. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. With the squeegee man coming down. Oh, no. Let's let's, let's rewind for those listening. So we all got here on time, knowing that the podcast was going to start around 930. Mr. Sass didn't communicate with us that he was thinking he was going to ride with one of us up here. So he was a little late. And, of course, when you're late, you know, and you're in a rush, the flow of traffic is not always in your favor. So... So I believe Waze routed you, potentially routed you through BWI, and he calls Manny, and <laughs> he's trying to get uh, a suggestion from Manny in, in terms of whether or not he should take the Baltimore City uh, detour. <laughs> I looked at him in a 911, and I thought, you just stay on the interstate. Right. There were only eight homicides in Baltimore last weekend. Hey, I think Baltimore just reached a record today. Oh, really? Yesterday, yeah. That's... Scary. Well, it matched last year's homicides, and it's only April. We're we're just happy that yeah. you made it, and more importantly, we're I'm actually in overalls today because we're going to be assisting you with something on your 996. You know, any excuse to wear those overalls, any excuse. That's all he needs. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was laughing before we started because I looked over and I'm like, "You put them on already. We don't need them till eight o'clock tonight for Tech Tactics Live." They're so excited. comfortable. I love them. Like, why can't it just be a thing? Like people wear are they your buffet? Not. Are they your buffet eating clothes? They're just they're just fantastic, so comfortable. Fine, 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 fine. Well, Rob, we're we're glad that you're here in person. So uh, am I. The audio is going to be much better today, um, and uh, we can make fun of you in person. So that's that's cool. All right, and we brought no less than four cars to this podcast, so we're going to be buying a carbon offset for this episode. Well, I will I will coast in neutral for many of my miles on the way back to the office. You better. <laughs> All right, let's just go straight into the news, Porsche news. Uh, who saw the spy shots of what they think is the sport classic? I, I mean, I don't think it, they think it is. It, it, it is the double bubble roof. Yeah, it's a double yeah. bubble roof. The um, ducktail. That's the lately Porsche's cars have been the worst kept secrets. <laughs> Um, you know, of, uh, of any well, manufacturer, I think. So, they, yeah. I'm sure they wanted people to see that car. On I was about to say, day. like, that's, they, that's my guess. They want people to see, give people a teaser of yeah. what's to come. It's uh, free marketing, right? Well, maybe not free. Getting to the Nurburgring and running might be a little bit expensive, but all those photographers out there, free marketing. But that's kind of cool. And you know, thinking about our classic club coupe mm -hmm. and this potentially coming out this year. You know, it's the story of the Sport Classic will be, you know, talked about quite a bit this year. Yeah, well, I think everyone, uh, it isn't a matter of, are they going to be excited about the Sport Classic? Because I think everyone will. So uh, what are the odds of being able to get one? How, will it be limited? Will well, it, the original uh, Sport Classic was limited. was limited and yeah. not even offered in the U.S., correct? Nope. And there's only, I think a few have imported some original Sport Classics to the States, but we never had a Sport Classic stateside. So will this car be available stateside? And if you can't get that, they have the uh, rumored uh, Carrera RS car coming out. I know Rob knows enough because he's clenching up because he doesn't want to release the information. Uh, <laughs> um, they we'll have the, uh, the ST, 
that they've, uh, you know, this is all stuff that Motor Trend has released. Right. Um, that, uh, you know, that Porsche is coming out with. So, and at Parade, we're going to have a surprise, which I have not heard mentioned anywhere. Did I tell you about the surprise? I thought I didn't tell you about this. I told you that there I is have a my surprise. sources. You have your sources, but yes. your source is not official. My sources are official. You can guess. Well, don't guess right now. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> but yes, we will have a uh, sort of a world. It has the name review. of a continent on its uh, name. Stop. You can just stop right there. <laughs> stop right there. All right. And how about uh, talking about hybrids and 911s? Well, that's another, uh, not not a rumor that uh, we, knew, we know it's coming. And uh, uh, I'm personally very excited about it. Was it at Tech Tactics when we had a 992 on a lift and people were noticing like the the transmission and that that there were i think damon you you, you noticed yeah, the, that the transmission um was built to accept um hybridization so yes. we thought it might be coming but there's been so much and if you've been paying attention to the news over the past what since two or three years since the 992 <clears throat> came out you know they are going to do a hybrid 911. You know in in this generation, then they're not, and then they are. It's just all all this back and forth. Um, but this uh, this spy video on the Nurburgring, the car has some markings that signify that it is in fact electrified, which the Nurburgring requires mm. to run on their track. Uh, these li- little yellow stickers, so that if the car gets in an incident, the responding crews know oh, that it's a hybrid. Okay. So yeah. how to react to it? It's a hybrid. And we'll, we'll throw up a picture. Yeah. It's official. We... You know, whether they're testing for a future generation yeah. or not, we don't know. But they are using a 992 as a test bed right now. So they're, they're saying that the 911 is not going to be like a plug-in hybrid type, right? They're saying no, not plug-in. it's going to be like an electric assist motor or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, well, Porsche's hybrids always are for performance, right? It's, it's to add performance, not necessarily get better fuel economy or lower emissions. So we know it's going to be a performance oriented hybrid. You know, I like about the spy photo, Rob, I like how they taped over the Porsche badge just so you don't <laughs> think it's a Porsche. Oh, it couldn't be. couldn't be. Cause you can't tell by the shape. <laughs> yeah. The shape does not give the car away. Yeah. Well, if you look at the plate too, it's like some kind of an anonymous plate. It's not the usual, you know, S G O plate. Uh, yeah. So unless it's a test mule, you know, back, like back in the day, I think they had a golf nine twenty eight test mule. You know, in the seventies or eighties, you know, but I, I highly doubt that this is. It's probably a Porsche. <laughs> I think when people see the performance uh, of these hybrids and eventually an EV, they're not going to miss gas engines. Yeah. Well, you've driven the Vonin retrofit a hybrid system, which is a the sort of replacing the flywheel with with an electric motor. I'm guessing that the nine 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 eleven is going to have a similar sort of system. Um, well, what do you think the of Audi, the uh, Audi hybrid system? They at least the article yeah. mentioned that uh, they may be using that that Audi system. Yeah, it's uh, how is it, it driving a hybrid nine eleven? You know, a few oh, years I back. thought it was the the greatest thing in the world. The only thing that I didn't like was the price. I think oh, yeah. at the time Bonin was like sixty, maybe seventy, 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 70 thousand. I think I don't know the, that price has gone down. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, as far as performance, because you know everything eventually comes down in price as you sell more and whatnot but you know not having to worry about any mechanical stress on the engine uh, like um, installing a turbocharger or supercharger mm-hmm. and it was instant power and it was i think uh was it eight or 12 seconds maybe 12 seconds yeah, of, uh, uh, before 15 you or 20 i think but you right. know how long are you going to be no, full exactly. throttle for 20 especially seconds? on the street right. I, I think yeah. i did it for four <laughs> seconds and already i was uh going to be in big trouble with the yeah. police that they called us yeah so it and it would recharge itself you know as you're going so you could he had a um a, a smartphone uh, mounted where you could see it recharging. So it was, uh, yeah, I, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's going to be incredible. Well, it's, I agree with you. I think, I think people are going to love the performance uh, when, when vehicles are electrified, let's say, but we still have a lot of our traditionalists that just can't get wrap their minds around the fact that they are going to either sound different or not have sound at all. And that's why they're so against it. And I'm like, that's kind of, you know, I get it. I love, I love a 30 V8 or, you know, the sound of a turbo or, or, or a six cylinder, but am I willing to trade that off for more power, better performance and possibility of more efficiency, less maintenance? 
oh, there's there's a time that I don't mind driving a, a loud, fun car, but man, an everyday car that is better performing, less maintenance, and that's pretty attractive. I, I can let go of the sound for, yeah. for that. Vu, weren't you into RC car racing right around the time the transition was made from, from gas-powered RC cars to electrics? Exactly. Yeah. My dad would not, you know, kids in the neighborhood were driving nitro, uh, little nitro um, RC cars. And at the time, my dad and I wanted to get into RC cars. But uh, the one at the hobby shop that he said I could buy was the Tamiya Frog, which was electric. And back in the day, they were running, you know, smaller batteries and they were it would probably go half the speed of my friend's um, nitro cars. Fast forward to today, if you go to a hobby shop and buy an RC car, out of the box, you're going to buy a 70 mile an hour RC car. And no one has nitro cars on the shelves. And no one misses it. Yeah. Seems like it would be dirtier and just tougher to maintain. And that's that's why my dad cars. said I had to play with the electric one. He's like, fine, you have to recharge it every night or whatever. But, you know, you're going to bring it in the house. You're not, you know, it's not going to be messy. And I think really what it was all about it was my dad was annoyed by my little friends playing with their RC cars <laughs> that they had this constant buzzing noise around his house. So he's like, you're not going to be one of them. You're going to play with a quiet one, yeah. which was fine. I mean, thankfully, the technology evolved and batteries hold more power motors are much faster and all that stuff so i i still i still run rc cars uh i do it at parade and the cars that we run there the kids love them and we don't make a lot of noise and uh it's still a lot of fun yeah, it's just friend, different a friend of ours i won't say his name but he was at the region social last night he told me he has uh, placed an order for a sport turismo tycon mm, mm, nice. and this is a guy who owns a gt3 rs Really? Yes, and and some vintage cars. And I said, "You think you're going to miss the sound?" He goes, uh, "I don't think so." He goes, and after reading, you know, he read my article. I wrote about the car and some other ones. He said, um, "That doesn't sound like it's a big issue with the uh, sound, but the performance." He said, "Sounds uh, incredible." And having the he called it a station wagon. Yeah. Um, so since so, some some people online have called us a bunch of old guys, so I kind of embrace that with this next question. So, how many of us have been? at car shows and there are some of these other not even could be a porsche make but a lot of these non-porsche makes come with some annoyingly loud cars like they just took off their mufflers or they have you know electric dumps and they rev it and like back in the day i i don't think I, cars were even that loud but now when i hear it i'm just like that is so annoying like why are you revving your engine in neutral or because you know that it's not even a stick, so they had to put it in neutral or in park and rev it, and it just sounds ridiculous. It's always the Mopar people. I didn't want to say it. It is Speaking. always I, the I Mopar. Thought was, I, thought I thought it was the Lamborghini gonna, people. <laughs> All right, we're not or, or the Nissan. Or, or the Mustangs. <laughs> we're not going to slam other marks, but but what I'm saying is, I'm, yeah, we're, I guess we're maybe we are getting old. Maybe we are. <laughs> like, I like a good-sounding exhaust, but it doesn't necessarily have to be 160 decibels. Yeah, there's right. a there's a Dodge Dart on my commute home, and the guy has straight piped it. And you know what he does in the Fort McHenry Tunnel oh. every time he revs the crap out, and it's one of the, I think they had a, a dual clutch back in those in the Dodge yeah. back in the day. It is the worst sounding, most annoying thing. <laughs> it doesn't. Okay. Say, why, why would you open a car like that up? So All quality, right. quality uh. is fine. Quality exhaust, <laughs> you know, even if it's a little as good, but not quantity. I like, can't stand tinny exhaust or just you know loud. It's just, it's, it's, People need to be restrained and understand what a good exhaust you, is. You do you sound are, like you are old. Simpson. I have sounding old, aren't yeah, I? You do. I oh. oh. like the looks of those teenagers. Oh, get, off, no. get off my lawn. Oh, no. Maybe we have gotten a bit older. I'm turned into cold. an old guy. <laughs> Anyways. Although uh, it's kind of dumb to do it in the Harbor Tunnel or the, uh, the tunnels that we use because uh, a friend of mine did that. He had a, a Ford ST, Focus ST. Yeah. And he loved, you know, uh, putting uh, in third and floor. Hitting the button and they also open up and. Uh, there was a, a police officer about 10 cars behind. No way. And so my friend said, I was like, rah, rah, the whole way through the tunnel. <laughs> and as soon as they got into the tunnel, the guy lit up the lights. And Oh, no. <laughs> Needless to say, he got a repair order. He had to take it all out. Wow. Really? Yep. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, this third uh, news item here, uh, GP fans, Hamilton and Porsche. Who's going to talk about that one? Well, that's uh, the uh, I guess the uh, inside joke we have with our marketing uh, guy uh, Jim Hemig, where uh, our last podcast we thought for sure everything would be finalized with uh, Porsche and Audi, 
Um, but still, nothing's a... Uh, yeah, they've got the green light now, but now now there's another round of, I'm sure, negotiations and waiting for the rule set to be finalized. And I guess we'll see. You know, But, but more importantly, um, so you had a piece of homework when you went on vacation. I did. I did. Did, did you... Did you cause you're probably one of the few people... Have you watched Drive to Survive, Rob? The F1 uh, reality series? From that look? That means... No, 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 I did. Oh. I streamed one on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. What what season did you watch? I probably watched one episode the first season. Oh, he, I'm ahead of him. I did yeah. more homework than he did. I've watched all of them. I'm on season two. Did you, <laughs> you follow Formula One? That would not be a since no. What was the interview <laughs> process like Nikita for the panorama Mas- editor? How, how do we hire this guy? We had not a, since Nikita Mazepin <laughs> got dumped. We, by we had a, a typing was, exercise. <laughs> watching him was, I gotta was say, the best part of F1. <laughs> I got to say, giving me that homework to to watch a series. And um, it's really it's been really enlightening. I didn't realize, you know, the maximum number of teams, maximum number of drivers, how competitive. Like, I've always watched movies about f1 but i didn't really understand f1 and if you haven't watched the netflix series drive to survive it really is well done and up to where i am at now like i've always heard about hamilton and vettel but season one and up to like halfway of season two like there's no mention of them like you see them in passing shots and stuff like that and i'm learning about the other drivers which i think is really interesting because you know, a lot of times their family has given up lots for them to be there and then the competitive and the cutthroat. And man, you think like preparing your car for a DE or not across and things go wrong. I mean, this is their livelihood is on the line right. and there's hundreds of people. It's pretty cool. Like I'm I'm I, I'm really appreciating F1 much more because I watch a series. Just That'll looking for it. I'm sorry. Verstappen's dad. If you want to see somebody who looks like a pageant mom. Yeah, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. you'll uh. So hopefully, uh, you know, if you're you're a, a Porsche fan and you don't watch F1 like Rob, you'll start watching <laughs> F1. Because, I watch uh, it a lot more than Vu, apparently. <laughs> I've got, I'm up to season two. Thank you very much. I would just got to get you to watch a regular race, the real right, race. Right, Well, here's the thing is when when you mentioned I was on vacation, so uh, I was with my cousins and, and such. They've watched, I think, uh, maybe not all, but at least two or three seasons of it they were well more they knew the names and they were more well versed than i was so i was like "Ooh, i better get started on my own because you're going to go to miami to see uh if it first happens one have you race. heard about this in miami yeah I, I, is there gonna surprised. be like a chain of people like laying across the 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 race course it'll just because... be for one lap if they do that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they're they're trying to stop the, the yeah the nimbies <laughs> in florida who don't want two days worth of noise two days it's gonna be longer than that yeah, yeah, whatever. But uh, it's um, so we're gonna have uh, Miami if it goes through Coda, and then we'll have Las Vegas too. Yeah. So um, you know, for F one fans in America, this will be uh, the golden era. I think the the part where I'm at is just when Red Bull decide to go with Honda. That's where I'm at right now. Hmm. So pretty interesting. Yeah. So right. so if if Porsche does kind of come into play now, I will kind of understand better the dynamics. And and you've always been sort of hesitant about this news when Jim talks about it. And now I understand why, because it is so competitive and how many points of potential failure there is in an F1 race. And it's not a sure thing. Like just because Porsche gets involved that they're going to be, you know, yeah. right at the top. I mean, you see Mercedes and Ferrari consistent, consistently being first and second, but all the other teams, man, they're, it's like, they're, they're bouncing all over the place. They, they could be fifth in one one race and be like 19th in another. And there's so many. And like this year, um, Mercedes went from being such a dominant force to now it's uh, they're happy if they got third place. Hey, don't spoil it for me. I'm <laughs> not going to wait four years for you to catch up. <laughs> don't spo- spoiler alert, please. Hello. The good news about F1 too is it is infinitely safer than it was. I mean, I, in truth, oh, I haven't yeah. followed F1 that much since Senna died. I've watched it a lot. And then when Senna got killed, it, it really, it, you know, it, it spoiled a lot of it for me. So s- watching this show, like when they came out with that sort of like a halo you know, the, the thing in front of the helmet, like uh, to me, what's the, what's that movie? Um, the jerk where the, uh, what's his name made the it's called a jerk. It's called the jerk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> where he made glass. Grab. Steve, who, Martin. Who, Steve Martin, Steve Martin, the character makes glasses and makes a little holder for your nose. I'm like, how can you drive with that thing in front of your face? But then I saw the accidents and I'm like, Ooh, 
that's a great design. Like, you know, they were tumbling and into walls and they walked away from it. Like, okay, that's totally <laughs> worthwhile. Yeah. Well, last season, I believe, uh, Verstappen's one of Ver- Verstappen's tires was directly on top of Hamilton's head, yeah. and, and it was the the halo that saved Hamilton. There you so, go. Yeah. You, which you haven't seen quite yet. I'm Stop so spoiling it for me. I know I'm behind. <laughs> um, but the person that's mo- probably speaks about it the most and is well versed in all of this is, as Manny mentioned, uh, our marketing director Jim Hemig, and uh, he's just produced something new for us. Yep. Yeah, so Jim, uh, he, um, he, 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 he's the, <laughs> I'm not going to say he's the only person, but he loves Formula E racing. And as much as I love racing, I just cannot get into Formula E for some reason. Here we go. Is it because of lack of sound? No, not at all. Oh, okay. I think it's because they always do it in uh, city uh, circuits. Mm. It's not like, uh, like at Spa or at uh, Famous Tracks. But there's cities, things in F1? Yeah, but not everything. Oh, okay, not every one of them. Yeah. Okay, got yeah, it's not really the the sound doesn't bother me. Uh, we had a great time watching the diesel Jettas years ago <laughs> racing at Road Atlanta. They made no noise at all; it was just tire noise. Yeah, it was actually refreshing. I remember you that, could yeah. have a conversation with somebody and not scream <laughs> yeah. because it was just nothing but tire noise. Yeah, um, so that didn't really uh, hurt the uh, experience. But it's just um, and watching on TV, it, it's just very hard to get excited, I guess, or follow. I don't know. Maybe it's a coverage. I don't search out racing. I enjoy watching, but I'm not going to change my day around just to watch a Formula E race or F1 race. I, I wish that they bundled, and maybe they do. I just don't have that subscription service. But if I could, I would take a whole season of F1 and just watch it in a weekend if they had it on Netflix, for example. Just like Drive, Drive to Survive. But that's my thing with racing. I just don't search it out. So you want to treat F1 racing like a Hollywood Series. Why not? <laughs> you want to binge watch and binge, binge watch all the races because there's too much too much discussion on social media. I was about to say, yeah. How could you keep it a secret? Yeah, I have to. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sunday mornings when there's it's uh, usually if there's not a PCA event going on Sunday morning, then my wife knows that uh, I will be watching in the morning F1. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of secrets uh, and announcements, we have Rensport Reunion Seven coming, mm-hmm. and a lot of people. You know, the, the news uh, press release came over Porsche saying that it's happening next year. Not a whole lot of other details with it. Your thoughts on that? At first, that was like, um, I guess because we've not officially known, but it didn't take a lot of genius to figure out that next year it's Porsche's 75th anniversary. It's uh, 60 years of the 911 believe they're entering um, lmdh yeah entering class. lmdh there's a lot of reasons why this would be the year to have Rensport reunion so uh um they didn't stick to it at three or four years can be five years but that's mm-hmm. fine you know uh, this is the type of event that's worth waiting for so uh i i think they have not decided where they're going to go yet i think uh, had they decided they would have announced it so for those of you that aren't familiar with a Rensport, maybe give them a little bit of background what Rensport is and some past locations. Without offending anyone, don't offend anyone. Please don't offend anyone. It's, it, I say, as a Catholic, I say it's like the Pope coming to America. It's the way. Uh, if you're a Porsche enthusiast, it's a place it's, to be. It's, it's the place to be. Porsche. Uh, um, it, it's just so much uh, sensory overload that uh, I, I say. Usually, if you see a 917 at a show, it's the bell to ball. It's the most important car there. People flock to it. At Rensport Union, you will walk by a row of 917s because you see something else that catches your eye. Mm-hmm. It's You don't know what to look at. You feel like a kid at Disney World for the first time. You don't know which direction to go, what to ride first. It's an incredible, uh, you, you almost have to like pace yourself. And when they moved it four days, they even made it better because you could really say, all right, take a deep breath. You got four days. Yeah. Map this out. You can look at all these cars. You can go to, uh, so that's why I wrote the, um, article for ebreak about uh, what to expect at Rensport. even though they haven't announced very much details my bet is they're going to repeat a lot of what they've done in the past the theme may be different but uh i think a lot of the stuff they do at Rensport will continue and uh it's four days of uh, not just racing but uh, it's like a museum come to life you're, exactly you're, where else are you going to see a, a gaggle of 917s taking the green flag or 962s plus, and to me, this is the most important part, 
It's the drivers and engineers and Porsche celebrities. The cars are going to be around 50 years from now. Mm -hmm. The drivers won't. And hearing these stories, they tell. Uh, my goal uh, for Rensport is to make sure that we capture all these interviews for posterior, maybe turn them into videos, but something that, because, uh, you know, after Vic Elford passed, I'm like, we're never going to hear Vic's stories mm -hmm. ever again. And we really never captured a lot right. of his stories um, that uh, only Vic could tell. So these other storytellers, we definitely have to capture their uh, stories of uh, what it was like to race a Porsche in the past. Yeah, yeah it, it is completely just the exposure of everything Porsche. And it's not just racing. It's historic cars. It's classic Porsches and the people, the Porsche family, the drivers, Porsche Cars North America, Porsche AG. I mean, anyone and everyone that has any ounce of Porsche love needs to be there. Can we take a little internal poll of where we'd like it to be? Um, not to offend, but I, I've always thought Laguna is, has so many pluses to it. Some people might say, I think the track is iconic, but I, I don't, I'm not a racer, but some will say that, you know, there are other better tracks, but I think Laguna and Monterey just offers like a nice package. Track is still iconic. Everybody wants to be in Monterey, the weather, um, you know, there's a lot of cars obviously in the West Coast too. So that makes it easier for transportation. It's easy to get in and out of. So if I were a betting person, I would say Laguna, Monterey. That's where I'd want it. Yeah. I'm number three for Laguna Seca. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess having a chaired uh, two uh, of the Ren Sports for the PC activity part, and you get to see the inside. Any organizer would tell you uh, the thing they cannot control is the weather. Mm -hmm. And uh, having not having to worry about plan B, which is what happens if it rains, is huge. Absolutely. And at Laguna, you never have to worry about if it's going to rain. Not everybody not knock on wood. Rain. Everybody knock on wood. Rarely, right? It, does, it <laughs> doesn't rain. I remember asking somebody, when's the rainy, rainy season? And he said, I think it's January 14th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day. Well, just just imagine, was, like you said, as, as an event planner, millions, millions of dollars, millions of time and labor to put into an event that might be four day long, four days long. And rain is a big, so let's look at Daytona. They went to Daytona yep. twice. Yeah. Uh, I'm an East coaster. I would love Daytona. It's an easy, not easy drive, but just drivable. I could bring my Porsche there. Um, Daytona was made for, I think a half a million, maybe more NASCAR fans. Mm -hmm. um, Daytona looks downright empty for rents for a union. It looks like no one showed up in the stands. Right. Uh, there was a lot of people, but it was, but when was you have what, 80, 90,000 people in a venue like that, it still looks empty. It's, it's empty. Yeah. yeah it's not good. It's, it's like the same thing. You can say the same thing about Indianapolis. Mm. Indianapolis was not, uh, it was made for the Indy 500. We're, we're, we're thinking that they're considering Indy because they were doing sports car together. Fast. And Roger Penske is leading the uh, LMDH effort. So it doesn't take much to figure out the puzzle there, but it's, uh, and then you, you say, okay, well, those tracks are iconic. No argument there. Um, can they can they hold everything uh, Porsche wants to do? Sure, uh, but Porsche also does stuff outside the track. Mm -hmm. uh, their lifestyle stuff, and yeah. uh, that's where they fall flat. Um, Indianapolis doesn't have a whole lot around it, um, and neither does Daytona. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say uh, it's not uh, something where Porsche's lifestyle fits in. Monterey is perfect for what uh, it really is. Porsche wants to do it, and I know. Uh, like my wife, if I said uh, Daytona, Indianapolis, and Monterey, she would say uh, Daytona, I'm staying home. Indy, I'm staying home. Monterey, I'm going with you. Yeah. I knew that because every past Rensport, she has said, uh, I'm coming with you that week uh, for Rensport because there's so, so much to do outside the track. Yeah. So it's unanimous for all four of us? Yeah. I, I agree so. with that. I mean, there's plenty of stuff to do in downtown Indy, but it's 20, 25 minutes away. And yeah. as far as I know, Penske can't control the weather yet. Yeah, can he? Maybe he can. But. We've been in some pretty <laughs> wicked, I know. some wicked thunderstorms in uh, uh, Indiana, haven't we? So, do we have yeah. any any tips for those once once the information comes out uh, of when Rensport will be and where? Any tips for some first timers? Uh, get the hotel rooms as soon as you hear. It's uh, even if you hear rumors, because uh, the rumors are probably going to be very true. Mm -hmm. um, people can't keep a secret. 
and um, Monterey's expensive before an event like that. Um, just wait, if, man. If they announce that and you wait a week, I'm sure the uh, hotel pricing will be. Yeah, the hotels are trying to find high. out ahead of time too because they yeah. want to not be taken advantage of, if you will. Um, yeah. So they want to find out. I know, or they want to take advantage of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly. Uh, thank you for articulating yeah. that. That's exactly what I meant. Um, but to, even at uh, even if you got to stay an hour away from Laguna, yeah. Uh, it's a great drive-in, and it's not like an annual event where you say next year I'm going to uh, do it. Um, this is a lot of work for Porsche. Mm-hmm. Um, this Porsche is a very cyclical company, especially Porsche Cars North America. So they know what they're doing January, what they're doing in February and March. When you throw an event like this in that doesn't happen every, happen every year, boy, it really throws them for a loop because now they got to bring in the agencies to do certain things that they don't do every year, and uh, from our last meeting that we went to uh, five years ago, four years ago, most of the people in the room had never been to a rent sport. Mm. So they had heard about it. They said, you know, looks like a lot of fun and this, that, and the other, but they didn't, uh, the expectations are so high from people who've been there before that, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work for the company to, uh, to pull this one off. But So for our East coast friends and those maybe Midwest or maybe those that are too far to drive to a rent sport, I would still say flying. Actually, it's a little bit easier if you don't have your car because then you just get a rental car or ride with friends and there's still so much to do if you don't uh, have your car. Or you can do, uh, if you're, uh, you have the means, uh, next year the parade is in Palm Springs, California. Yes. So that's Southern California. Leave a car out there. There you go. Find oh. a storage place. Oh. Do a parade. A yeah, and uh, and just leave it out so there. So you could do like say works reunion in August. Ren sports typically after. Uh, you do a parade in uh, what is it June? Oh yeah, parade first. In, yeah, in June. Then, then drive the car. Monterey up, week. Monterey week. And then come back and do uh, make make twenty twenty three to once think, in a lifetime type thing. I think that is an excellent. PCA insider tip. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fine idea. Yeah. Hey, one thing we didn't mention, though, speaking of iconic East Coast tracks, is we didn't mention Lime Rock. Manny, were you at Rensburg? No. Uh, and this shows, uh, you know, when I wrote this article about why you should mm-hmm. uh, put um, Rensport on your calendar, um, I realized uh, a great majority of my members have been to Rensport or at least heard of Rensport, but a lot of new members who joined after 2018 as per our, our dinner social, when I was speaking to mem- new members, they had never heard of Rent Sport. So I said, well, I'm going to write a uh, what Rent Sport's about. So to your answer, Rob, <laughs> uh, I wasn't new to PCA, but it wasn't really that well advertised. So Lime Rock's not a far drive for me. Yeah. And I never had even, no idea. Not, not even on my radar that this event, I guess I might have thought it was just some vintage event and certainly nothing. I had raced at the 50-50 which was, um, uh, I think, the precursor to uh, Rensport because it was done by uh, Brian Redmond's uh, Intercontinental Events, and uh, it was just Porsche cars. That's the only thing they allowed to uh, race. And to me, in Porsche, the factory brought a lot of museum cars and was celebrating 50 years of Watkins Glen and 50 years of Porsche in 98. So I'd I'd done that, but somehow the whole Rensport thing just um, bypassed me, and I, uh, I was the one I missed. Did you go to that one? No, 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 I didn't. I thought you did, though, for sure. I know Tom Gorsuch, our, our national president, he likes to rub it in that he did go to the first one. And then the second one is when they moved to, to uh, Daytona. 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 Okay. Yeah, they quickly, uh, I think it was Rensport one, is that when the CEO of Porsche Cars North America took a uh, 962, was it, into the uh, tire wall, I believe. What? Ooh. Yeah. Oh. One of the Brumos, I think. I'm 99% sure. Oh. Um, that, uh, yeah. Someone's going to have to fact check you. Yeah. Vendel uh, and Vita King? That one. Hmm? Vendel and Vita King? No, no, this is oh. PCNA. PCNA. Yeah. Oh. Um, Hopefully you didn't peel off a, <laughs> a winner. That's Auto something. executives get to learn. It's like Mark Royce stuffing the Corvette. And, oh, right. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. It's Belle Isle or someplace uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Run Sport Reunion, you're going to have to wait till next year. But this year, if you want to do something with Porsche at a racetrack, we also got the announcement that the Sports Car Together Fest is going to be happening at Indy. Uh, we don't have, do we have a date yet? I don't think we have the date yet, do we? I don't think so. Oh, uh, yeah, September 4th, wasn't it? Yeah, two through four. Labor Day. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It is Labor Day. <laughs> I wasn't on the meeting, but I think you were. Yes, I was. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. Because I know we're looking... Yes, that is correct. 
So maybe share with folks, uh, last year was their first event. Um, This is kind of cool. The person that we are working with for Sports Car Together Fest is someone that we know from the past. And she has has a lot of love for PCA. We have a lot of love for her. Uh, always a smiling face, a pleasure to work with. In fact, I was uh, on a conference call with her yesterday on, on talking about what PCA is going to be doing this year at that event. And uh, Manny, you want to guess who that is? You told me. I told you? Yes. But, Tomo- and I, and I, have a, I love this uh, woman because she we introduced her to Walmart. <laughs> we did. Because the Germans <laughs> evidently have a fascination after hearing so much about Walmart. She wanted to visit a Walmart. And she couldn't believe from uh, guns to groceries and the I, bicycle helmets, everything you would want, she found in a Walmart. Tamara, if you sorry, we just uh, let everybody know that we took you to to Walmart, but uh, we are so happy to be working with you. And uh, maybe maybe share with our listeners what to expect uh, from Sports Car Together Fest. What happened last year, and then maybe I can fill in on what's going to be this year. So last year, the theme was that uh, whatever you do, don't call it rent sport. Because everyone thought this was the rent sport, right? And it was not. It's a uh, so sports car together uh, happened with their 70th anniversary a few years back. That's when they came up with the name Sports Car Together Day, and they were looking to get everyone uh, around the world uh, on one on this one day to do Porsche things. Uh, and uh, we were in Germany, I think, at the time when um, Sports Car Together Day happened. But there was stuff at dealerships happening, you know, car shows, get-togethers. And so they wanted to start it now as a tradition here in the U.S. and incorporate racing. So um, it wasn't really racing uh, like you're going to see a rent sport where you have uh, 917s, 962s, spiders. This was more modern. So they had the Career Cup Series, which was brand new last year. That was the featured event, I guess. It was part of their schedule. They had, uh, I think, two races were held there. They did um, uh, another series of theirs that is basically the – for lack of a better yeah. term, the older cup cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Porsche Sprint Challenge North Sprint America so. by Yokohama. So it's cars that don't qualify as the new cup cars, but they can still run um, to the person who really doesn't follow that closely. They look almost identical. So, And then there was a time attack, which was uh, basically cars doing uh, laps, solo laps. Try to keep a straight face because I think there was only four cars in that group. <laughs> <laughs> but they were cool cars. There was a, They're I believe cool. a, what, what was it? The, the new 935. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. We saw uh, GT4 Club Sport, I think, uh, was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, that was a group out there doing, um, basically they do laps in their time. So as opposed to racing wheel to wheel, they're going against the clock. And then there was PCA Club Racing, which was actually the biggest group. We came in full force. Yeah, we brought, the, we maxed out our 50 or 55 car allotment. And uh, that was really fun to watch because anywhere you looked, there was racing going on since there were so many different classes and speed differentials. So a lot of people like to watch that. And then we had a car show on uh, Saturday and Sunday. We had a big display for PCA. We had um, uh, Jim Hemmings set up the sim racing. We had a kids area. We even had an autograph session for PCA club racers. Uh, we had a corral. A uh, Luftacult was being held on that Friday, which I don't think Luftacult's coming back for this year. I don't think so. But um, Porsche had uh, their own autocross experience, and they had an off-road. And, off-road experience, yeah. Yeah, they had, a, I think, a Saturday night concert and mm-hmm. um, movies. So it was, um, they wanted to get the whole festival thing uh, 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 vibe going. And it, it, uh, it worked. It probably didn't have the uh, attendance that they were probably hoping for. Well, they put it together in, you know, a short turnaround. So yeah. I think this year, with a little bit more time, more advanced marketing, what I do like about going to Indy, one is it's kind of centrally lo- located, so it can draw from uh, a number of sides, but it's also fairly inexpensive to go to this event. And if it's uh, if you haven't been to a run sport before to have a sort of a comparison to, um, this is certainly is an event that you might want to check out. And you could drive there if it's uh, within driving distance or if you want to stay at a hotel there. It's definitely prices for hotel nights are not going to be run sport like they're going to be probably a third of the cost. Well, probably, obviously, we're going to have more details of what's uh, what PCA is doing. Uh, yes, and that's that's what the um, the conference call this week was. Is you know we've offered up a, a number of things to assist uh, Porsche Cars North America. Certainly, we will do what we did uh, last time, and uh, they're they're finalizing their agenda. They haven't chosen exactly all the things that we're going to be doing, but we're PCA is definitely going to have a big presence there. 
All right. What else is going on here? Actually, you know what? I've been curious. I So I was, Manny mentioned it earlier. I was on spring break with the kids visiting my dad in Las Vegas. And for eight days, eight days, I love my family. I love visiting my dad and my grandma. But I did no car things for eight days. Like I didn't, didn't even like, I didn't even watch the F1 thing while I was there because I was just busy doing Vegas stuff and, uh, you know, kayaking and all that kind of stuff. However, there was an opportunity to potentially do a car thing for my aunt who has uh, bought a, uh, who bought a Cayenne from one of our PCA members a few years ago. And she lives in Vegas now as well. But two days after I left, they're like, this could have been a fun project for me. But two days after I left, she called, she's like, Vu, there's this noise coming from, I think it's the wheel of my Cayenne. I'm like, well, did you run over something? She's like, no, no, no. And she couldn't describe it. And I'm and like trying to diagnose over the phone is terrible, right? So I, my, my cousin gets on the phone. So she's like, yeah, there's like this noise kind of coming from the middle of the Cayenne. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know what this is. Anybody want to guess what that is? Card and shaft bearing support. <laughs> exactly. Which so we have a video on. And, and that's exactly it. what I told my aunt and my cousin. I said, you know what? I have a video uh, on PCA's YouTube channel that talks about the drive shaft bearing support failing. And um, I could have helped her while I was there. That would have been a fun little project. But either she and my uncle and my dad are going to tackle it themselves. Uh, my dad has a lift like yours, Damon. Mm-hmm. Or she'll just write a check. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was the potential car stuff that that I did. But uh, Damon, your car is now on the road. It all is. All put together. And yep. uh, did, you autocrossed it for the first time since it's all. Together. Yeah, I did. Um, I ended up. Doing, I heard you got crushed by some cars. I did get crushed. <laughs> so um, my plan was to do more SCCA autocrossing this year so I could kind of gauge where I stand against, you know, the the really tough competition. Uh, the class I'm in is the STR class or street touring roadster. And for those who are familiar um, or aren't familiar the new Miatas are in that class. Uh, the new Subaru BRZs and Toyota, uh, Toyota GR86s. And there are a bunch of other cars that qualify, including, you know, a 986 Boxer S or a base Cayman 987. Um, but really, it's just Miatas and Subarus and Toyotas. And um, which were pretty much developed to autocross. <laughs> per, well, yeah, yeah. So they're they're extremely light, you know. Um, the the Miata is twenty three hundred pounds, I think. You know, for for a heavy one, and the uh, uh, BRZs and GR eighty sixes twenty seven hundred or so. Um, so I have more power. You know, I have more tire that I can fit under there, or I guess two fifty five is the widest I can go. Um, so yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I'll just say that. I was crushed. Um, I thought that I would be slower than a lot of the people out there and I'd come more mid-pack, but I was more bottom mid-pack out so of about 19 people. So here's the question. Like, do yeah. you think the mod? So was it because you... So the lesson learned is if yeah. you're going to modify your car, like just know that if you plan to competitively autocross yeah. or that you might be placed into a class that's yeah. super competitive yeah. and i you knew and that i wanted you, to do you knew that going yeah. into it because you wanted to challenge yourself but i guess yeah. my question to you is do you think you didn't do well because you're not used to the setup or oh, no. your so, car's not competitive i think i or... did well for me but when, when you stack me up to those drivers who are some of the best on the east coast um i didn't stand a chance i was six seconds behind I think the quickest person. Six seconds. That's Six an seconds. eternity. It's an eternity. That's like a chapter. And I and I was closer to one of my local benchmarks than I had been. So I, okay. I believe I was a bit faster. Maybe he had a bad day. Um, but overall, I am very, very slow. It was a humbling experience. But, but I'll talk about the mods a little bit. Um, I have a the Aceco lightweight flywheel now. And that's one of the big mods. Probably the biggest is I have. 255 front and rear tires, the Yokohama AO52s. And I had always, I never liked the understeer that my car had mid corner and going more negative camber and going with my Olin setup and, and the uh, adjustable anti roll bars really helped. But there was just more understeer than I wanted in medium speed sweepers, you know, so, or, or high so, speed for an autocross. So did your upgrades? Totally helped. Le- did it help? It, it did totally help. helped. My okay. car, it, it is so nice to drive now. It does not understeer. 
and I'm super happy with it uh, in that sense, you know. So anybody who's wondering, you know, will a square setup um, make my car handle better or worse? Well, if you have the right tires, like a Yokohama, which they heat up really quickly, the grip is always on. Um, but you won't be disappointed with the square setup on your 987. Okay. So uh, if you have the adjustable and a roll bars like I do and, and potentially coilovers. So I recommend it to anybody who wants to get rid of understeer. And that for me, that was an easy way to do it. You know, I, I run rear, the, the stock Cayman S rear wheels. I have four of them and I run them at all four corners and I have... 15 millimeter spacers for the rear. So, so from the look of your face, you're a bit disappointed. I'm a bit disappointed. I, <laughs> I was humbled. You know, I thought I'd be okay for sure. I'll be like maybe three seconds behind the top people, yeah. but six seconds. That, All right. That's here's, eternity. here's my gift to you this yeah. year. We'll find an autocross. My yeah. car hasn't changed. Nope. Your car has changed a lot. Yeah. We'll run together. You probably will crush me. And that'll I hope bring, so. That'll bring back some of your confidence. I hope so. I hope so. Unless I crush him. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the big thing here is, is that I, I think I did well for me. But when you're going up against a much more competitive um, pool of drivers, be prepared. Like if you're good at the regional level you might not be that good at oh, the for sure. level. Yeah. So yeah, there's people isn't that like that big fish, small a, pond. That's exactly. what it felt like. It's exactly, exactly. what it but, felt but like. But you know what though? They will make you better because you're chasing oh, yeah. better people. Right? Yeah. Well I got to see a bunch of videos, you know, of, of where I was making mistakes. And my big mistakes are I'm breaking too early and probably not hard enough in some areas. And um I'm just not carrying speed, using momentum as much as I should be. Um and you see the Miatas out there and yeah they're they're may have less power, but you know, our cars power to weight ratio are very similar in, in zero to 60 and, you know, and the speed for an autocross course. But the difference is, is that those guys are so good at what they do. They can recognize the course in those three runs that you get each day and, you know, put down a fast lap time every single time. They're yeah. not wasting any of the track. They are not on the brakes unless they have to be. So mm -hmm. are they good or was it like my case in club racing? No, Everyone in front of me was cheating. <laughs> well, I don't think that, I mean, I have no way, I don't think anybody was cheating, and I'm no. not going to get into that, but, you know, uh, everybody had tire blankets. Um, really? They had, they oh, had that's sprayers, like which we didn't use because it was too cold. Some people had an assistant to remove the tire blankets and help set up the car for going out. It's it's serious. Some of so, these classes. Damon is looking for a yeah. tire assistant if you're in the Maryland <laughs> yeah, area. Yeah, tire assistant. Like I need some tire blankets. So <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse I remember in club racing than buying a 1200R set of Hoosiers. That's what they cost back then. Yeah. And uh, going out for a session and your lap time gets worse. Worse? <laughs> worse. I was like, <laughs> spent all this money thinking that the... Uh, yeah. The problem was the tires, and it wasn't. It evidently was something I was doing on the track that was uh, the problem. But there was that uh, graph. I remember. I'm sure you saw it, where it was like uh, how how many cycles before you replace the tires, and according to your income, yeah, so make, if you were making a half a million, you were replacing tires every two or three heat cycles, right? Yeah. And I think uh, Pete Tremper one time came in. He said, I am, I'm in the $500,000 income bracket. <laughs> and we looked at him. He said, I just replaced the set of Hoosiers that were three cycles old. Nice. Oh, man. Because he was convinced that uh, his lap times were dropping because of the tires. Yeah. And it didn't make a difference when he, uh, when he put new <laughs> tires on. Yep. So, Mr. Sass, uh, while I was away, uh, we, uh, you got to drive your 996? I did. Yeah? I did. And uh, I'm wearing overalls today because we did take a we took a gander at Mr. Uh, Sass's car during uh, Tech Tactics Live, uh, <laughs> the last episode, and we noticed a little weep around the water pump. So today and tomorrow, I'm although I'm wearing this, I'm not going to be working on your car. I'm going to be making fun of you while you're working on your car. So you excited about that? I am extremely excited about it. I've never done a water pump on an M96. I've done water pumps before. You know, I've watched all the same videos that you've watched. So hopefully you're, it'll go smoothly. You're very lucky. I I bought a water So I think it's 70 or 80,000 miles. What's a recommended water pump change for an M96? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. And I replaced mine well before, I think. Yeah. So here's the thing. I, I think it's... 70, 80,000 miles, something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll look it up and post it yeah. later. But um, the, the key thing is replacing your water pump before the bearing goes bad. And uh, most of the water pumps have like a composite propeller in it uh, that moves the water. And when the bearing fails, 
it sort of knocks the propeller off center and it hits the sidewall of the water pump and it just cracks into a million little pieces. And what's bad about that is if that happens while your car is running is all those broken bits get sent through the engine. And although I had a new water pump and I knew I should have done it sooner, like I was dragging my feet, dragging my feet. And one day I pull up into my driveway and there's just loads of coolant behind my car. And sure enough, when I pulled my water pump off, all the little bits of the propeller were not on the water pump. They were somewhere inside my engine. And it took me probably another two to three hours just to flush and flush and flush the engine to get. And I got... I don't know if I don't technically know if I got all the pieces, but I got a lot of the chunks and I flush it up pretty well. Yours is not to that point yet. So what's going to be nice is you're going to save two to three hours, four hours from having to flush it. So hopefully we're just, well, remove it, take a quick look, put the new one back on and away you go. So, so a little insider tip is if you're getting up there in mileage on your water cooled Porsche, just do the water pump as a safety measure, uh, maintenance item before it creates more work for yourself. Like right. I said so for me, I'll impart a little bit of my experience with that, you know, for, for those who are thinking about this. But uh, I did my water pump at around 66,600 miles, I think is what I saw when I started it back up. Um, my car, when I bought it at 49,600 miles, it always had like a slight noise. That I had Pedro Bonilla, our our nine eight seven expert, you know, listen to at a Tech Tactics, and you know, he said, you know, I can hear the noise; it doesn't sound like anything bad. You know, I mm-hmm. just drive it, sort of thing. And so I drove it, and I knew I'd be doing water pump and all this, all this stuff, you know, at some point in the next year or two. Um, when I finally took the water pump out, and I compared it to uh, the brand new one that I got. You could clearly hear that there is a noise when you spun the pulley, um, the pulley wheel on the old one. It, it was making noise. Oh, so that's and I think potentially for you know ten, fifteen thousand miles, I was driving with a water pump that was making a slight noise and signifying that it was on its way out. Now I don't know that for sure, but I do know that the new water pump doesn't make that noise, and I'm a lot more comfortable. So I'd probably say if you're getting up at sixty thousand miles. Just do you it. Might as Don't well be just do an it. idiot like me and yeah. buy it and put it on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know uh, one of our um, coworkers who has a 986 Boxster replaced it at eighty or ninety thousand miles, but that's because it started to to leak a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the absolute maximum you ever want to run a water pump. Yeah. So, and, and the reason why we're suggesting Rob do it because we did mm-hmm. notice like a trace from the weep hole, and um, so that's a telltale sign. I, I, you know, either I didn't look or I didn't notice, but mine just went from was working fine to just a mm. gush coming out the back of the car. Yeah. So um, if you're up there in mileage, go ahead and do it. Yeah. The good news is it's one of the few things in this world that's really actually pretty inexpensive. I think yeah. under $300 for a water pump, a belt and a thermostat. Yeah. So plus your labor. So yeah. when we were thinking about this, the, you know, in, in past videos, it's either Damon or myself working on the cars and, I kind of know your knowledge of how, you know what you're willing to attempt on a car. You've just done this massive job on your car. Probably the the biggest job I've done is I've done a clutch and I haven't done engine internals, but everything up to that, you know, I can do. I can do suspension, I can do rear ends, I can do, you know, all that kind of stuff. Manny, what's your what's your biggest car job that you've done? Regardless of make, just how, how involved have you gotten? I know you do brakes. I've seen you do brakes. I've seen you do like I've never done a clutch, and it's and I understand I do it, but it's mainly unlike you. I don't have a lift, mm. and uh, I keep three cars in a two car garage, so my garage isn't really a working garage, right? Um, so uh, I would watch like watching the water pump videos. Yeah, it looked pretty straightforward. But we everyone who's anyone who's done a do yourself knows that. When you watch a YouTube video and when you actually do it, what you do <laughs> is kind of like the old, uh, you know, uh, manuals that had you rebuild an engine in two pages. It looks per- easy to do, but you always run into issues, be it a, a stripped out uh, bolt or a um, hose clamp that uh, you know, doesn't work anymore or, or something that's going to derail your um, your experience. So in the video we're going to shoot, you know, I think we want to stress the don't be discouraged if this takes you several days, mm-hmm. it's for a first timer because this is what happens. You know, you learn along the way. 
uh, you know, you're doing it yet to save some money, but also for the satisfaction of knowing that you, you can do it yourself. Yeah. So I, I did mine probably on over because I had to flush it so much and I was pretty, uh, pretty disturbed about how much it was like making a mess in my garage. Like I did it over two days. Hopefully yours is going to be fairly straightforward, but my lack of confidence in you, I brought my van to the office for you <laughs> to drive in case it takes us more than a day. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so what's, what's the biggest job you've done on a car? Um, <clears throat> I've done water pumps on other cars. I did the cooling system refresh on my E46 BMW. I've done, you know, I've taken apart partially dashes and glove compartments to get it, it fans and, and uh, blower resistors and things like that. But, mm. um, you know, all the stuff that's like, you know, on the degree of difficulty, like two stars and below. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And what I love about the the 996. And stuff that won't kill me if I do it Exactly. Right. Exactly. Or you're not going to cause a catastrophic issue that right. you didn't do something right. So, you know, with these newer cars, with computer systems and sensors and everything everywhere, like that's why I'm more hesitant to work on like a, a very new car, but like a 99 car, a early 2000s car, I'm willing to take, take, take the gamble and, and it's fun, right? It's fun because yeah. when you're working on your car, you can't really think about anything else. You got to stay focused on the job at hand and you, it'll be helpful for you that you don't have a pressure that you got to get it done in two hours to go home. You've got my car as a backup, right? And there's a I difference between uh, working on the car in a garage versus uh, broken down on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I used to, uh, when I was racing, you have to learn how to work on your car or otherwise your, your weekend's over with pretty quickly and so you learn your basic, uh, you know, brakes, um, changing fluid, uh, simple stuff that you could fix at the track, you know, CB uh, axles and whatnot. Um, but I, what I learned also was uh, to bring a car that was as prepared as possible, mm-hmm. meaning you wouldn't say, well, I'll fix that if it breaks at the track. You didn't want to find yourself no. in the rain, you know, at the end of the day, having to start taking apart uh, transmission it's better if you have a problem, fix it ahead of time. And like we're doing with your water pump, as opposed to you on the way to Michigan, having the water pump go, and then you're trying to find a shop that can fix it. So, um, which I've done before. I was about to say, yeah, which I mean, doesn't I, really, let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of shops, um, we are going to be at benchmark motors on May 11th. What are we going to do there? We're going to learn about, uh, wheel alignment 101, the basics of, uh, when you get the car aligned, what's involved. I know um, we were talking about the idea of doing this uh, just to educate people of what what a technician does in a wheel alignment. We know, obviously, he aligns the wheels, but what, what is that for real, really involved and how uh, some cars, um, not necessarily Porsche, but like my Z3 BMW, uh, there's no rear adjustment on the 96, 97s. So there's no sense in paying for a four-wheel adjustment because uh, there's nothing to adjust in the rear. Yeah, so we're going to share some terminology. We're going to share some tips. You know, is there truly a performance alignment versus an alignment that's stated by the book because of the model and uh, the year? And uh, the actually, the machine that uh, Benchmark has is state-of-the-art. And it's, you know, depending on what machine the shop has, you know, could it do damage to your rims the way they attach the, the wheel measuring device, whatever you call it on there. So we're going to go through that. It's a more of an introductory sort of um, alignment uh, episode, but it should be fun and make sure you make sure you, you watch it. And a video, one of the videos to watch out for, uh, we did, I guess unintentionally, we didn't realize, I didn't realize we were going there to film this, but we, oh. t- Project 964 is back on the road again. We um, got the budget approval to turn it into an RS, uh, there'll be an announcement uh, forthcoming, but um, we wanted to get the rust fixed first because there was rust uh, near the windshield frame, which is um, the bottom of the windshield yeah, frame. Uh, uh, the bottom, which is unfortunately very common on 964, 993s. So we took it to Jack at Europros, and uh, he dug into it literally while we were there. So we rushed Absolutely. and got the, we got the camera set up and... Uh, we caught him at the right moment because he got his tools out, and in 15, 20 minutes, he had the windshield out. Yep. Mm. Saved the windshield. Saved the windshield. Wow. And, and Saved he, the antenna that was connected to the and windshield. And he told us it was wow. an original windshield. Ooh. And, yes. uh, and you know, the common uh, thought is that a lot of these windshields rust when they've been replaced. 
and the technician scratches the metal, which takes out the uh, zinc coating, mm-hmm. and then you got bare metal, and then water gets trapped underneath, and thus the uh, rust parade starts. Yeah. But um, he said, no, he goes, this windshield's never been taken out. This is a, and the car only has 36,000 original miles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that wasn't too much of a surprise. But talking about so, seeing someone who knows what they're doing at work was really a, a unique experience because he knew where the antenna wire was, so he said a lot of people cut through the antenna. Right. Mm. He knew how much to cut so he wouldn't uh, hit the uh, metal. Yeah. He cut right along the gra- glass, and he saw that the glass was in very good shape, so he said no reason to uh, to damage this. And it was it was watching an artist do his thing, and mm. not all body shops are created equal. The fact that he was using a, a, a razor blade to cut the cut the uh, seal, but he knew exactly where to stop, where to start, where to stop, and um, didn't touch the body of the car the whole time knew exactly where to push. And when I, when we videoed him pushing the window out, he could tell that there was a little resistance and he went back and trimmed it, ex, you know, like maybe three inches. And then when he went back and he just barely just, and it just popped you heard a pop. And it was then, like uh, amazing. I've never yeah. seen uh, a G body window come out. Like so that's how they're yeah. supposed to come out now. Right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're going to give you some, some cool. clips maybe to do a short, and then we'll have a, a full video later as part of you know the progress on 964. Project I've 964. got a question for Manny with that. I've seen a lot of 964s and 993s with rust around the windshield and rust around the back window. Hardly any SCs and 3.2 Carreras. Did they change the, the two-sided galvanized steel that they, they used for the, the 964 and the 993? Or is it just... He, Luck of the draw. He seems. So that Jack seen. was trying to tell us that uh, when they went to the airbags, they used actually like a urethane. Where um, prior to that, they were using the uh, string to lock it in. Lock it in. He yeah. said, but when they went to the nine six four with the airbag, because he looked in the car, he said, okay, this is the airbag one because the earlier eighty nines mm-hmm. didn't have airbags, and he said, so this has a urethane um, coating underneath of it, and uh, he explained. That was because of the uh, when the airbags came out and it doesn't the windshield, pop up, the windshield yeah, doesn't, doesn't pop out. the windshield out, hmm. which uh, on the earlier cars, and so that also, you know, uh, like as once again, uh, some people say, well, rustling happens when it's um, scratched. This car was never touched. It was just unfortunately uh, because he said the movement of the windshield. Okay, you know, you you don't see it move, mm-hmm. but it moves and it basically rubs. Uh, Creates an abrasion, yeah. and if there's if the car sits outside and tree sap or dirt or dust between the seal and the original paint, even though it's very minor movement over the years and with acidity and everything, you could see it. We took video of where the paint wore to the white coating, and then when it went past the white coating, that's where the rust was, and that was an original windshield. He knew that, he, yeah, he, he knew the car had been uh, stored outside. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. It's not my imagination then. Yeah. Like I said, I've seen very few SCs and 3.2 Carreras with that kind of rust and a ton of 9.64s and 9.93s. Yeah. So he said there was even a recall in the 9.93s. He said uh, back in the day he did a ton of these. Um, so, yeah, he was uh Yeah, can't wait to person. share with you guys that video because we were there just thinking we're going to drop the car off and him talk about it. He freaking pulled out his tools and went to town. And then after he took everything off, he's like, yeah, I'm going to wire wheel all this. And I'm actually going to put a patch in instead of just laying in uh, Bondo like a lot of people would. Because he said, if you lay in the Bondo, it's going to flake two years later and you're going to be right back where you started. So he's going to actually, you know, weld a, weld a piece in and, and make it perfect. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. He 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 sort of said, I think this is going to require, require a patch, but we weren't sure until he took it off. And when he took off the windshield, he took a, um, a little pick yeah. and started scraping. And he goes, watch us. And he just tapped it and it just went right through the that middle. Was, oh, that so was he like was like, a, he was like, like a I knife to the heart. <laughs> he goes, I was correct. It needs a patch because it, it was all the way through. I was hoping when he would, when he hammered it, that it would just like not bounce back. Yeah. But it, it went right through. It went right through. Like, oh. <laughs> went right through. So. The good news is it's going to be repaired co- uh, correctly. We're going to capture it and share it with everybody. And uh, whoever gets to own this car down the road will know that it was done done right. All right. What else do we have? Uh, May 30th, Tech Tactics episode. What kind of Porsche? This will be our 50th. That'll be, that, that's our 50th episode? Ooh, we got to do something cool about that. So let's think of uh, something fun around that. Okay. And what what are we, what, what no, you can buy? Be, uh, well, it's fifteen thousand dollars. The uh, new, uh, the new entry level Porsche. Price. Ah, 
That'll be a very Rob wrote, wrote an article uh, uh, that will have been out already uh, by the time the podcast comes out about uh, what happened to the, what was the title? Oh, the $10,000 Porsche. I mean, two years ago, you know, the world was kind of your oyster. $10,000 running Porsche. Right, 10000 But the fact of the matter is, think back two years ago, $10,000 would buy you a, a pretty okay base 986 Boxster, a nice Cayenne, a very nice 924S, um, a number of different flavors of 944. And all those cars have, have pretty much evaporated. There's really very, very little in the 10000 and under range right now. All right. Look forward to that. Uh, next week is Treffin at Broadmoor. Uh, should I'll report back. I'll be going to that with a number of um, folks. Uh, I'm I'm actually very excited about. We have a new sponsor, Princess Cruise Lines, and we're gonna have the Love Boat Lounge. <laughs> As Rob shakes his head, so it's did gonna you, be. Did you see the uniforms they're buying for this? This is like right into the wheelhouse. It's. It, I love it. It's gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be so. They're dressing up as and, uh, the uh, Love Boat characters. And uh, yeah, I even got the theme song. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we, but we will have a professional DJ spinning other tunes for the Love Boat Lounge. So it'll be a lot of fun. Ain't nothing cooler than the Love Boat. <laughs> exactly. It's so tacky, so yeah. cute. It'll, it'll be a fun at time. At Parade, you're going to be singing the theme at the beginning. There you go. <laughs> Someone. If that thing gets stuck in Love. my head. <laughs> so for the record, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I have no clue what you guys are talking about. Oh, so now you're you're claiming to be young. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And of course, Porsche Parade coming up uh, June 12th through 18th in the Poconos. Hopefully you've registered and we'll see you there. Anything else before I sign off? No, I think we covered quite we covered a lot everything. Today. So folks, thank you for listening. If you aren't currently a PCA member and you own a Porsche, just sign on to PCA.org with your VIN and sign up. For those of you that don't currently own a Porsche, go ahead and check out our test drive program at PCA.org. Be sure if you enjoy the show, um, please give us a, a, a positive rating, a comment if you like, uh, on, and be sure to check out the podcast Instagram and uh let's see what else if you have any questions or if you'd like uh, to give some suggestions you can also reach us at podcast at pca.org until next time stay safe and we'll catch you down the road